I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. Welcome to my podcast where I invite you to join me each week as I shine a light on some of the very best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offer advice to those that want to make in the UK. But before we get on to today's episode, I just want to tell you about an event that I've got coming up. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers and British-made brands from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. Taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London, we've got over 200 exhibitors inspiring talks just like the ones on this podcast and it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. Registration is now open and if you go to mib.live forward slash podcast VIP I've got a special something for you when you register. I hope to see you there and now let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 53 of the Make It British podcast. Today I'm interviewing Isabel Aguchakwu, who's one of the exhibitors at our Make It British live event in a couple of weeks' time. She's the founder of luxury leather goods brand Isabella Queen. And I've known Isabel for several years now, and I've watched her business grow and blossom. She always has fantastic advice to offer those that are also making in the UK or wishing to start out. So it's well worth listening if you're someone who wants to launch a business and wants to make in the UK. She also talks about how she has developed a fantastic relationship with her manufacturer and how that's allowed her to pivot the direction in which her business is taking her. I hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, Isabel. Thank you very much for joining me on the Make It British podcast. Thank you, Kate. It's a pleasure. So do you want to start by telling everyone all about um, what your brand is and the sorts of products that you make? Sure. So Isabella Queen is a leather accessories and now homeware brand um, that obviously manufacture in the UK, in London. We are coming up to five years old and um, having been heavily invested in the um, handbags, wallets and so on um, sphere, we are now in the thick of a slight change in direction slash diversifying our portfolio and we are about to move into uh, specifically b2b but also some b2c um interiors collection so yes Ah, we will be launching make it british so that's brilliant to come yeah exactly well we'll come on to the homeware in a minute let's yeah. go back to wind back then mm-hmm. the, do you say five years or six years since five. you launched five mm-hmm. so five years ago i know you were in a very different career before you decided to launch a handbag brand yes. what brought around what brought about that idea and what were the challenges at that, so at that point in time not finding a handbag that i particularly liked that was feminine but had a good and traceable supply chain that was ethical um, and the you know with sustainable practice and the the brands I found that had those elements to them pretty much only did brown and black bags that were really 
basic and very simple bread and butter and didn't really have, you know, design features or, or, or things that were a bit more um, out there, I guess. So I decided to find out how I could start a brand. And that led me to um, evening and weekend part-time courses at the London College of Fashion. And when I got there and began to do one part of the course after another, after the other, I guess I was really noticed by the lecturers who encouraged me and introduced me to people. And slowly uh, the, the brand network formed and um, then the brand was born. And I think I was very fortunate to have been one of those people that had a very stable and strong network to support the launch of the brand. That's interesting. So it was over a period of a few years then that it took from the original idea yes. till the actual launch of the brand. Yes, but when I launched the brand, I actually already had four complete collections drawn um, yeah. because one of the mistakes that a few people make and, and up and coming you know, designers want to launch a brand is they have one idea or one bag idea or one wallet idea and they don't even have a collection and the, the collection isn't homogenous so it doesn't look like a collection and you know or it's a bit too ambitious and we've got 50 things in the collection but we don't know, yeah. how, you know how much money we, we have to even make half of those things you know there's so many pitfalls so I had my capsule collections and I had four of them and for each one I had kind of the spring summer variants and the autumn winter variants and so I knew from the beginning that I had at least a four-year run of collections and that would give me time for my design and creativity to really evolve and uh, for more to come from that. And you make everything in London. Yeah, How do. did you find that first manufacturer? Well we are now on manufacturer number three. Uh, well, four, okay. but four, but it's a third. Um, so, it, so talk me through that journey. So it's been interesting. Uh, what <laughs> I'm going to say is that um, keeping it uh, PC is, <laughs> is that um, there are some people who like to make bags but can't make them to the quality that I desire. Then mm -hmm. there are some people who can make them to the quality that I desire but want to charge an absolute fortune, which is untenable, then, then there are those who can make them to the quality desire and the, the, you know, the price point is good, but then, you know, there's ups and downs through business and so on. So, um, yeah, we've kind of been through a bit of a journey, but we're really, really happy with the manufacturer that we have now. We have a great relationship with them and um, they underwent some restructuring and, and, you know, then we kind of, went away and then came back and and now it's really good so we're working together and in addition to doing leather accessories they're the the main core of their business is actually interiors so they're really well set up to encourage us and to work with us in the new direction that we're going in brilliant so what advice would you give to anyone then that was starting out who was looking for a manufacturer um, come to Make It British Live, number one. <laughs> Thank you for the plug as well. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> because that's how I found uh, all my manufacturers, mm -hmm. and including the current ones, and uh, <laughs> who haven't been able to take on anyone else since they came to Make It British Live three years ago. Because I know, because they're so busy that they don't so come back. And people yep. are still asking them for the first time, 
having gotten their contacts from that show. So it just goes to show you some people are still at the beginning concept stages and then they get the contact and then whenever they're ready to manufacture, then they approach with the idea and the designs and so on. Um, so yeah, come to Make It British Live and, and have a look. There are lots and lots of them around. And the second thing is also talk to people and find out you know, what manufacturer can, you know, which one of them can make your product because they, a lot of them can probably make a lot of products, but they, they all specialize in different, slightly different things. And some people might make more structured bags or, or structured accessories. Some people might make more soft, more fabric um, type accessories. Um, and some people work more with fabric and some people work more with leather and also metal work. So there's a lot of different types and they all feel comfortable doing different things. So the one that's nearer you or whatnot might not actually be the right one. So that's really important. But I think the more that you talk to people, the more that you, you, it will get you to the right match for you yeah exactly eventually it clicks doesn't it with the right person a bit like yeah. when you when you meet the right person romantically I suppose you kind of know they're the one <laughs> same yeah. with a manufacturer yeah. <laughs> yeah. as someone said to me it says like kissing a lot of frogs before you meet your prince yes I think <laughs> when you when you yes it is exactly like that and sometimes you do wish that you wouldn't have gone through everything but it you know you have to trust the process the journey you learn so much in the journey that if you were just to shortcut it, you wouldn't be as accomplished a business person. So it's important not to despise the ups and downs that you go through, especially the downs, because there will be a <laughs> lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true as well. So as far as launching the brand then, how did you have funding to help you launch the brand or have you self-funded the whole thing? Because that is one question I get asked from people a lot. Is how much is you know? I want to launch a handbag brand, for instance, but I've only got five hundred pounds because everyone's heard the Cambridge Satchel story of how she started a multi-million-pound business with a five hundred-pound handbag. Okay, sample. so <laughs> let me just demystify this. Um, Cam Satchko is the unicorn. It will never happen to anyone else ever again. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Think, and actually, when you hear her story, she did hound about five hundred different manufacturers till she eventually found someone they would make. Yes. And, you know, that was then a very long time ago. Things have moved on. The economy's in a different place. Um, and, you know, I took so I one of the people I was introduced to was Alison Louie, a fashion angel. And she was a yeah. help critique my business plan and so on. And through Fashion Angel, I got the initial tranche of the government startup loan funding, which I think was uh, seven grand or five grand or something. And I added that to my own money. And I, for years, was doing corporate consulting whilst I was starting my business. And I was working myself to the bone. Um, I had a very, very good salary. Um, and I kind of double dipped um, for three and a half years, plus my savings plus my now husband's savings, plus some investments <laughs> that we got from four friends who between them put in about 20K. Um, so all in all, I would say from launch, from about six months before launch to 18 months after launch, so the first two years uh, did consume about £150,000. Um, wow. 
in... But that's not unheard of at all. No. I was very, very conservative with with the spending. And I would say that probably 90% of it was spent on research and development. So sampling, um, tried a lot of uh, shows, Fashion Week, etc. Um, and I think that another piece of advice that I would give to you know, new brands is don't bother with any of them. If you make your products in Britain, no other show, and I'm not saying the case, not paying me to say this, no other (laughs) show is the show for you apart from Make It British Live because your price point is so much higher by the virtue of it being made in the UK. And if you make it in London, it's not even UK price anymore. It's, It's living wage, plus London wage on top of minimum wage. And so goods that are made in London will be more expensive than goods made in Yorkshire. So if you're making in the UK, your price point is so much higher and people who are going to X fashion week or another or X show or another are only looking for bargains. And so you're there and you're trying to justify your price tag when you know made in Turkey is in the booth next to you. So yeah, that's so true. And that's one that a lot of our exhibitors say that is that they're not being price matched against someone cheaper importing goods and next door because people that come... But when they are price yeah. matched, they're not worth what they're saying they are. No. So no, there's exactly. no way that you can tell me that, oh, an Isabella Queen bag is, you know, retail price, 1700 1800 and the same made in Turkey bag is the same price. They're not the same price. Yeah. That, you yeah, know, and it's very different product. Exactly, very very different product, and so you're you're swimming in an ocean, trying to you know explain to people, justify what you're about, your USP, and so on. Whereas when you're at a show like um, MIB Live, everybody is coming there, understanding that what they're are coming to purchase and connections that they're coming to make is not first and foremostly about the price point, but about the story about provenance and about quality um, and, you know, uh, about a certain standard and about yeah. heritage. So that it's good to put yourself in the same bucket as other people. Yes, but even, exactly. Even when you do go to Make It British Live, you do find that there is quite a lot of variety, I feel, in the mm. products. And there is, you know, you, you do definitely get everything on the spectrum from <laughs> from super high end um, all the way to, to more. mass manufacturing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you've obviously spent a lot of money launching and prototyping the brand. Mm-hmm. How about marketing? How, because that's what I find is a lot of um, businesses that make in the UK, they invest a lot upfront for mm-hmm. all of their, or for people making anywhere, mm-hmm. for launching the brand. And then they put it out there and it's crickets because they haven't saved any much, any money at all for marketing. And they thought just by having an Instagram account, they'd suddenly have millions of new customers. How how did you reach your target audience with your products and how and you know what ways did you do that and how did you kind of allow a budget for that? I think one of the things that is really important to say is that even if you throw a million pounds at marketing, you will still be new. So yeah. it's important, and this is again back to trusting the process, people have to get to know who you are. They have to know the brand name and they have to keep hearing it for years you will not turn over profit 
if you, in my view, in the first five years, you just can't. So, and you need, you need to be a trusted brand. You need to, you know, it's kind of like back in the day where you had this European supermarkets where, and so even now people will go to them, but they were like, oh, the choice isn't that much. And so they'll go to a mega British supermarket that's like huge and the products are less quality, but there's a lot more choice. And I think that that, you know, you have to build up your product portfolio so that you look like a reputable business and you have multiple collections that takes years. And in that time, you have to be networking. And one of the things I always tell people is if your product is good enough, it will sell itself. Yes. And pe- people will, and people will come back. back. They, yeah, they will talk about you. And even if it doesn't sell and the sales are disappointing, which I, I mean, I, I definitely thought, oh yeah, we know I'll, I'll be like, bathing in cash by now <laughs> you know <laughs> even if the sales are not at that point you know you get requests that let you know that you've arrived on certain levels so I'll give you an example last week I could not believe my eyes when I received an email um, and I thought oh this is great and it was a four-star hotel in a European capital yeah and they wanted from what I thought it was a purchase order for about £110,000 worth of bags. I was like, super. Okay, here's a PO form, da 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 da, bang, sent everything over. And then they came back and said, oh no, we're looking for someone to sponsor. And I thought, and I honestly, I wanted to throw my laptop against so they, my head. <laughs> so they wanted you to send six figure sums worth of. £375,000, yes, so just under £110,000 of bags so that they've got a British-themed hotel, boutique hotel, you see. Do you think this whole thing has been created by this kind of influencer thing that's yes. happening on social yes. media which so this, this is the thing so they wanted not... to put one of our you know and i don't know if you guys have seen our um oxford bag which is the one with the union jack yes which and, i love yeah they wanted one of those in every single one of their rooms and so that the women could use it to go shopping when they were at their hotel as part of the experience and I couldn't believe that they didn't want to and pay. And they weren't going to pay. So I did take one thing away from me. At first, I was very angry. <laughs> then <laughs> yeah. I, sent her, I sent her an email saying that I couldn't believe that a hotel with such abundant wealth owned by a multimillionaire would be trying such dubious business practices. You know, And it's one thing when it's an influencer who is asking for one bag, which I'll move on to in a second. But yeah. it's another thing when you want £110,000 worth of product for free. But having said that, I did feel very flattered um, because when I asked, yes. And when I asked, how did you get to me? They said, we went on the Make It British website and we clicked the link (laughs) and we went through to your website. And I got a, yeah. And and then they contacted me, but. um, (laughs) They weren't going to pay. So I think that's this whole culture of you give us something for free in exchange for some exposure, but you you don't need to spend £110,000 on giving them free product through exposure to to whoever it is because exactly. they can afford to pay for it. Exactly. I mean, you know, in our time, we've been in, you know, we've been in loads of publications and so on. You know, we, we've had exposure, but the exposure is incremental and you have to expect that it takes years. So this whole kind of instant producer collection, bam, I'm going to be in Selfridges. It doesn't work that way. 
So and is it, that your goal to get into a, no. a department store like that? No, I didn't think it. No, no because it's it, you don't necessarily have the margin, do you? If you make in the UK to sell to a exactly. UK department and store also, like that. And the truth of the fact, the truth of the matter is, is that you know I've done umpteen market research and I've also paid for market research. The people who shop in those places are creatures of habit and brand bunnies they only go there to shop gucci prada louis and all of that stuff and they gucci will, prada louis <laughs> it will remain that way forever and ever and that's it you know there's a few a couple of brands that get in there but none of them are successful in those stores they all end up pulling out or they suffer the loss as a marketing cost so Originally, we tr- we said, okay, let's go into Asia, um, yep. and we, we did that, and we experienced success. But then, what we began to see was counterfeiting, so we pulled. That's interesting. Um, so we, yeah, we That's pulled. That's what out. happened to the Cambridge Satchel Company. Yes, the lots of copycats. As soon as they exposed their brand to um, certain markets in the Far yeah. East, and, and you had also- that happen to you that quickly. Yes, very quickly from the beginning, actually. Um, and how and did you stamp that out? I just completely withdrew from a, right. couple, of, a couple of stores, yeah. But then so also, you know which stores it was that they were picking up your products and then counterfeiting them. And were I you able to get the products that were counterfeits kind of removed no, from the market? no. But because then, of the legal costs involved yes, would be exactly. huge. But even so, what I have found and... This is actually wounded me because over the time, you know, everybody has recognized that I have a design eye when it comes to handbags. I have been approached to ghost design for the brands, which I've done. And that's been interesting. Um, oh, have but, you? Oh, yes, okay. Yes. And they approached me at Make It British Live, actually. Ah, brilliant. Um, so I've done that. But then what I've found is that, you know, up and coming designers or pe- someone from a bigger brand will, you know, meet with me, say, or send me a message on LinkedIn or whatever. Say, oh, can we meet? We meet. They ask me questions. I'm very candid, you know, in helping people. And then next thing you know, six months later, they launch a collection that is, you know, six degrees of separation away from one of my own. Um, and in the end, it's it's really done my head in <laughs> um, and damaging your brand i suppose yes, as well exactly yes exactly yeah and i mean they, they you know it's kind of someone says when someone can have the same recipe but the soup will never taste the same so i've seen a lot of people who sent to isabella queen instagram dm oh saw this bag it looked almost like yours not quite as nice though <laughs> um, yeah that's always true the counterfeits are never as nice are yeah. they <laughs> and so there's a lot of people out there who run out of ideas and instead of paying someone like me to design for them, even on a ghost basis, they just pinch the ideas and change a few things around, which is actually quite a sad nature. Of- yeah. And it's actually how, I mean, it's part of the reason I've kind of pulled out of working for the high street because it's how most of the high street works. Run, yeah. Sadly. Yeah. So is that part of the reason as well that you've decided to diversify into homeware? Yes, because I'd imagine um, that there's a lot less of that goes on. Yes, um, yeah. copying and that sort of thing when you're producing homeware. Yes, well, one homeware things are much less design feature heavy. So um, you know we're making, and I can reveal this: we're making. We're starting off with um, beautiful leather 
coasters and placemats and leather cushions. Um, but they are not plain. And that will all, that's all I will say for Ooh. now. Um, and uh, yes, and they are really top of the range. And the coasters and the, the placemats come in their own leather box. Ooh. Um, that so, hotel is going to want those yes and um, <laughs> maybe think, they'll pay for them this time well this is a thing i mean i think that you know um and and with the cushions you know they're they're more at a price point that people can afford more than you know a, ba- a bag for 1500 pounds so people can access a cushion and it's a leather cushion they can access it for 150 or 200 depending on how the cushion is made and that's a bit more accessible so it was twofold one or threefold one wanted more accessible price tag um but didn't want to compromise the usp which obviously being made in the, in the uk the second thing was wanted to diversify into b2b but you know still where people had money which would be high-end um hotels um and the third thing was just wanted to you know do do homeware so um, we've kind of put a pause on the bags right now. We feel like we've got enough collections and uh, we're just going to develop this for the time being. And it's already proving quite interesting um, because um, already um, we have um, a meeting, be, two meetings being set up with the purchasing director um, at the Ritz and also the same equivalent person at the Mayborn group that own Claridge's and so on. So um, there's, there's a lot of, you know, people are talking um, about it and I, and we as a brand haven't yet released anything about it. So it's very, very interesting. Um, So how did you get your foot in the door? Excuse the pun of places um, like the Ritz. Well, this is the thing, the manufacturer, so, you know, my current manufacturer, like I said before, their, you know, main component of their business is interiors. And when they saw my designs that I brought for the interiors collection, the the managing director was so impressed. He decided to hand over his personal contacts to me. Brilliant, because and he built up that relationship. So that exactly. just goes to show how important it is. Network. to build that close relationship yes, exactly. and to network and to yes. that close relationship with a manufacturer. But also you, to have that trust. quality product because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that come through his door and if they decided, oh, tomorrow they're all going to do interiors, he probably wouldn't offer the same. So, you know, it, it very much depends on the quality that you're bringing, but I'm really particular about that. And so we had our, you know, meeting where we kind of trashed out all the different options. You know, how do we close the cushions at the back? Do we zip? Do we, you know, do we have like a, an overlapping thing and how do we close it so we don't there's lots of things going on and how, and everything or each one of those decisions affects the price tag so you know yeah it's kind of tip versus tat sort of thing so having gone through that process with me he really believes in the quality um and believes in the vision that i have for the interiors collection and on the back of that he said i think this is great and i think it will go in these two particular places really well and here you go i'm, I'm happy to offer my connections Fantastic. So we could be looking at um, Isabella Queen placemats in Ritz Hotels at some point soon. Well, yeah, let's hope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think that another good thing with the interiors is that, you know, we can... um, we can white label them. So even though there there are branded ones that we're doing with, you know, Isabella Queen brand on them, they're they're nothing special. I mean, a 10 centimeter coaster is a 10 centimeter coaster. So 
you know, at the end of the day, it's taking that and saying to them, okay, this is what we can do for you. We can do it for your brand. Um, and that's also a new direction for us because we've been asked a lot about the bags and I refuse to white label the bags because I've done too much work. They're on very distinctively you and exactly. your brand. But yeah, but that makes sense for the homeware yes. to do that. And yeah. that's interesting that you've diversified yes. into something different as you've gone along. So you probably never would have thought that when you started out five years ago. No. But that's how it's evolved and it's naturally grown. Yes. But I think the thing is, is when you start thinking outside the box, and this is what I'm, I, I keep saying about the process, your creativity evolves and you think, okay, well, why can't you have a really nice leather cushion? And then you start looking online and you think, wow, there aren't really There aren't any. No, there aren't. Um, and no. then you ask why, because technically it, could, it is such a simple thing to do, but actually it's not because it's the it's the turn stitch process that a lot of people can't get right and so that is very true in leather yeah. yes and so and to, to make the stitching invisible all throughout the cushion there's a lot of things that once you know how to do it it is simple but this is again finding the manufacturer with the expertise and I'm really blessed to be partnering with a manufacturer that has you know, couple of decades experience with interiors. And, you know, once upon a time they had their own, con you know, concession of leather cushions and so on and so forth. I think it's Selfridges 20 years ago or something. So mm. um, they've also been through that learning curve and I'm, I'm benefiting from all of that knowledge, which is amazing. Brilliant. So what does the future hold then for Isabella Queen? Well, I think, you know, we're, we're obviously really excited, looking forward to Make It British Live in just over a month's time. And um, before then, the interiors collection will be finished. And behind the scenes, we will be really aggressively pursuing um, five and four star hotels, hotel groups, and not just small ones too. Um, so we are looking at international procurement um, systems where massive chains go to procure goods. So um, also kind of registering ourselves on there as vendors and, you know, uploading the products and, you know, seeing whether we get any traction in that. We're going to update the website to include the interiors um, in case kind of, you know, people want to, to buy them in the general population. Um, and then, yeah, and then I think we'll, we'll see how we go over the next 12 months with that. So one of the challenges then with manufacturing leather goods in the UK is there is a lack of capacity. And you've obviously got a great relationship with the chap that you work with at the moment, but I you know, know he's really busy and finding the skilled staff is a challenge. Have you, what if What happens if you get a huge order from one of these international hotels and your current manufacturer has not got the capacity? What would you do? Well, this is why originally I took more than cushions, place mats and coasters to them. I took, I took a range of interior mm -hmm. products but one of the questions that you ask when you're smart is if we <laughs> do get a huge order what can we bang out quickly yes and you yes. don't if if you cannot answer that don't make because <laughs> it's like you know teasing the donkey with a carrot and afterwards going and it's gone can't, can't make it and that does happen to so many people they get a big order they, they their product does too well and they get a big order and then their manufacturer that they found yes. can't complete the order and then oh gosh they have to go off to spain or something to yes. to to meet the 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 order so what 
are you so you've you've set it up so that the products that you're making your manufacturer could do in reasonably high volume if needed Yes, exactly. And we're going to test the water with that. Um, and if we experience an enormous surge um, in the interiors with, you know, the hotels and so on, um, then we will review whether or not we keep the leather accessories arm of our business open or whether we kind of change direction completely into interiors. Because, I mean, I, I have a lot more inside of me in terms of design capability for interiors you know i i would love to and have in you know drawn and designed um you know settees and bespoke type chairs and and so on because with leather you you got your kind of chesterfield a lot of people do um, and those kind of seats but there's a lot of modern type interiors that you know that is all kind of fabric to date so it's kind of you know how can we bring leather to that um and people are much more inclined to buy there's a lot of faux leather around you know ikea or wherever else yeah Um, yeah. but you know and when you look on places like made.com there's a couple of bits and pieces but there's so much more scope for you know um in interiors with leather so i would love to explore that more and um and and see how that goes and i think also you know what i've, I've, I've seen with market research is that now where the economy is going people are much more likely to spend on their homes than they are on a bag yes so I think you're probably right there and in the age of instagram where everybody wants to have an instagrammable living room or or dining room and you know the the quality and the the unique feature design features really does matter so that's something that we're tapping into and uh, we'll see see how that goes so is there going to be some interesting photo shoots coming up then Um, to look out for on your instagram yes so obviously we have our um our interiors Instagram, which is Isabella Queen Interiors. And um, once the the products, the samples are ready, we will be shooting those. And also we do have one more um, Isabella Queen leather accessories collection that has not yet been photoshopped. So there's, there's still more work to do on that. And we are going to do a nighttime photo shoot. And it's going to be very cutting edge with graffiti walls and everything. Um, but still kind of that whole edgy-ness um, meets the classic of the designs and so on. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on, a lot left to do this year, um, and we'll be running the two in parallel. Brilliant! I look forward to it. So, where can everyone find you? Well, we are on social, and we're very social. We have our Isabella Queen Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is Isabella Queen London. But if you type in Isabella Queen, you'll generally find it. Our website is isabellaqueen.co.uk. You can also find us on the Make It British website, as we are a very proud <laughs> member. And uh, we are based in London. And so, if you ever in London and you would like to connect, then please reach out to us. My personal email address is isabel at isabellaqueen.co.uk and you can also find our phone number on the Make It British website, I believe. And most importantly, in 
a month and a bit, we will be at Make It British Live. And I think our stand is V1. So you're right at the front door. You, you are. You're the first stand, I think, as you come in. Yes. So you are. And in fact, it'll be from. less than by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be just a few short weeks away. Yeah. So um, come and visit us, say hello and come and have a look at our new interiors collection. Brilliant. Isabel, you're an absolute star. I always really enjoy talking to you. You're you're a, um, a great example of someone who proudly makes in the UK and does it well. Yeah. Thank you so, <laughs> so much. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.